Welcome to Notes from the North with Kyle and Sam. Welcome to Notes from the North, the official podcast of the Vikings Gazette. We're proud to partner with Vikings Territory, Purple PTSD, and Purple Territory Radio. If you're looking for great Vikings coverage, be sure to stop by these sites, and you're always welcome at the Vikings Gazette. And with that being said, let's get the first down. And Kyle, we had the draft this past weekend and lots of exciting things. And I just want to start off, is is Rick Spielman the best GM in the league? <laughs> no, I don't think he's the best GM in the league. But I do think he's uh, better than most. And I'd have a hard time believing he's not top 10. I, I do think he is a good GM, a very good GM. Yeah, I, Of course I kid. I, I know that there's obviously, and I don't even know if as a fan of a team, you can even say that your GM is the best. Uh, because there's just so much negativity around it. But uh, just starting over this first round, this was one of the best moves that any GM made. But the Vikings trade with the Jets, moved from 14 to 23, and they ended up getting Christian Darius at the end. So how do you feel about this pick? You know, overall, I think you always have to understand, like, the pick within the context of not just the draft slot, so getting him a 23rd overall, but – moving from 14th to 23rd. And I think that if they end up staying at 14th, it's basically a toss-up between Christian Darisaw and Elijah Vera Tucker. It sounds to me like they were leaning towards left tackle. I know Spielman has indicated, and I think Zim as well, uh, in the immediate press conferences afterwards, that they view Darisaw as a left tackle. They didn't pick him to move him into left guard. They picked him to be their left tackle of the future. Zimmer specifically noted how long his arms are, which, of course helps a tackle because you have the edge rushers coming off the edge. And so you want, uh, you know, go figure edge rushers from the edge. And so you want obviously long arms to be able to, to get your hands on those guys. And so to me, I think that obviously left tackle, it's an extremely valuable position. They view Darisaw as one of the kind of preeminent left tackles in this draft. And then to get him after trading down, I didn't think that was going to be possible. When that trade happened, I thought for sure Darisaw was going to be gone. And in that sense, it was discouraging to me, uh, especially once I saw that Vera Tucker went 14th. Then I thought, oh my gosh, they got one. Because I wasn't, I wasn't, I'm not totally sold on Tevin Jenkins for the Vikings. So I was kind of thinking there's one tackle that really makes a lot of sense unless they were to reach on, on someone else. But to get him a 23rd to me thought was was very very good yeah like when we talked last like we both had projected Darisaw in that 14th pick and we were hoping like hey this is who we're hoping to get and to get him nine picks later and to get those two thirds uh it's quite incredible like that the, your thoughts on the trade down like I don't know it just feels yeah. um just like a huge win yeah to me it's it's tremendous value like it's I think my preference would have been in some ways to get that second round pick. And I was hoping that they would get a second round pick Um, strictly because if you look at the past five or six years, the Vikings have done just incredibly well in the second round. That's where they got Eric Hendricks. That's where they got Dalvin cook. Uh, They just got all kinds of just fantastic players in the second round. I don't think there's a bust in that group at the very least you have solid starters and at the best, you have, you know, all pro level, best of their position kind of players. And so I was hoping they'd get into the second round. But to go from 14 to 23, and then you get the 66th pick, and I think it was the 86th as well. 
I know they gave up the fourth, but to get those two thirds is just tremendous, tremendous value. And then to still get your man in the end, uh, to me, I think there, frankly, there was some luck involved. And I think if Spielman and Zimmer were being honest, there was a certain degree of luck involved that Darisol did fall all the way to 23rd, but it worked out. And so to me, that trade is, is basically an A+. Plus. I, I don't see how you could view it any, as anything other than a huge win. Yeah, oh, it was like watching the reactions on Twitter where everyone was just like, no, like could have had him. And then just sitting there and it's like, we were texting back and forth, like he's, he's still there. And then it, at some point it was like, we're going to get him. Uh, right, and right. and for him to be there and to get those two thirds just feels like incredible value. And I know I was watching something earlier today and um, or just realized that also by picking Darisaw at 23 versus 14, that's a lower cap hit too. Right, right. Yeah, it's it's all staggered. I mean, like the first overall pick makes more money than the 32nd overall pick, et cetera, right? And so, you know, that's, it's not going to be huge. It's not the difference between a Kirk Cousins contract and a, you know, whoever, you know, a rookie punter contract, but there still is a difference. And for the Vikings, the difference is significant, right? For a lot of teams where you're kind of penny pinching, um, that's a big deal. And so I, I think it is, it's really an excellent, excellent first round in that it gave, so you, you always want to marry need and value, right? With, with these picks, I, ideally. So you're, you're picking a player who fills a need, which certainly we can say that left tackle is a need without question, but then you don't want to do that by reaching. You want to get good value. You want to make sure that someone who at the very least is worthy of that slot or for some reason is more valuable than that slot should, should have gone higher, but for some reason is available. And I think that with Darisaw, you really did marry need and value. There's, there's a clear need, obviously, and the value you get at 23rd is fantastic. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and like you said, there's so much of what you're doing is dependent on what everyone else is doing in front of you. Yes. Yeah. And so like yep. you said, like they got you can call it lucky, you can call it yep. maybe they had some intel. These guys are obviously plugged in and they're while yep. they don't know exactly who's gonna pick who, there there is some assessments and they, they've they've done some work on figuring out where people are going. But mm-hmm. yeah, this just feels like an absolute win of a deal and, and super exciting. And then when you look at the hall, uh, it's, it's Darisaw, Mond and Davis. Um, and yeah, that that's huge. And I don't know if you have anything else you want to say on Darisaw before we switch to second down. The only thing I'll say, I was reading this recently from a political commentator, but he was saying that Twitter is the place where reason thought goes to die. And so in just in the aftermath of some of this stuff, uh, just be, when you see these things with teams and sports or anything, really just be careful of this video reaction. Cause oftentimes it doesn't end up being right in the end. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the second down, we've got the four third round picks and, and there was a lot of ammunition here. I know this third round that you said the second round, it would have been nice to have a pick. Yes. And there was a yep. little bit of surprise of maybe they could use one of these third round picks to move up to the second yep. round. They yep. held with their, their four picks and it was pretty busy. What pick to you, I guess, stands out the most? I mean, it's, it's, I'm, I'm most excited about Wyatt Davis. I think that was, again, we talk about marrying need and value. That is just fantastic. The way that they're able to get him at 86th. And he's probably a starter on day one. So I'm, I'm most excited about Davis. I'm most surprised about Kellen Mond. I'm not surprised that they are interested in Kellen Mond because I've, I've mentioned him before on TVG. 
I know that they had representatives at his pro day. So obviously they were doing their homework on him. And you can kind of connect the dots and you see, okay, they need a backup quarterback. They've got all these picks. You've got these mid-round guys. They've done their homework on this particular person. You know, is it conceivable that they could make this choice? Well, of course it is, right? It's not, it's not exactly rocket science. You can kind of connect the dots and see, okay, th- this, this could work. What's surprising to me is that they did that 66th, right? And so that is, I mean, there's 32 teams in the NFL. And so you just do the math, you know, 64 picks. That's the end of your second round. So 66th, you're two picks into the third round. You're basically a late second rounder. You're, if you want to kind of frame it that way, you're, you're just out of the second round. And so it's a relatively high pick overall. Um, and so it's interesting to me. It's not surprising that they addressed the need. I thought that they would. It's just surprising to me that they chose to do so there. Um, but I, I'm not. I'm not displeased with it. I'm not. I don't think it's necessarily a bad move. I just think it's a surprising move. Right. So within that, are you thinking that like Mon could have been available later, or are you thinking that you just take a later quarterback? Well, l- looking back now, I don't actually think he would have been available later because you had that run on. Um, you had that run on quarterbacks. You had Kyle Trask go, and then you had Mon go, and then you had Davis Mills go. And they were kind of, so you had the big five. And then after the big five, you kind of had that consensus three where Trask and Mond and, and Davis, and depending on who you talk to, they would, you know, maybe say, oh, well, you know, Trask is a better prospect or Mond is a better prospect for these reasons or whatever the case may be. So I think that if they did wait, they would have missed their guy. They would have missed. And at the end of the day, I mean, we, so you know, the Sam's of the world, the Kyle's of the world, people who talk about it, we, we want to talk about it in terms of value and big boards and all of this stuff. But at the end of the day, that's not, in all likelihood, to me, it's, it's not really about that for teams. I think a lot of times, um, you know, getting good value based off these consensus big boards and stuff like that. I think at the end of the day, they probably have a different criteria. And they say to themselves, well, look, if I can step away from the third round, and get Mond, but then also get Wyatt Davis, then that's a success, right? And so you're kind of assessing the the board as a whole and saying, well, I got depth here, i.e. at interior line, and I don't have depth here, i.e. at quarterback position. And so I'm going to take the quarterback now because I'm quite confident that I can take uh, the guard at, you know, later on at 86, which turned out to be the case. And so I think that they probably have a different criteria and different thinking in terms of how they proceed. And at the end of the day, you know, Spielman's job isn't to get good value based off, you know, the popular boards that are available in the draft network or on pro football focus. Spielman's job is to make the Minnesota Vikings a better football team and, and, I, and ideally to be able to compete and win a Super Bowl. And so, again, it's, it's just a bit of a different framework. And so it makes sense that they proceeded in the manner that they did. Um, I just think it was surprising and I wouldn't have anticipated that. Yeah. Like to me, when I saw it, I was like, absolutely. Obviously, I think we could say there are greater needs on a team than a backup QB in terms of the starting roster that you maybe yes. could have addressed in third round. Yep. But if like quarterback is the most important position on the team yep. and no if Kirk yep. goes down, for any stretch of time, whether it's a drive, whether it's a game, whether it's four games, Mond becomes and fills in for that most important position. Right. And exactly. like you yep. said, there's not, there's, it seems actually probably like he wouldn't have been there later. 
and you need to get a guy that you truly believe in that you think, Hey, this guy can at some point take over this job. Right. And we've seen the way quarterbacks work and it is so hard to find the spot. I know like everyone can complain about Kirk cousins, but if you didn't have Kirk cousins and you had to find a quarterback right now, like who are you going to find? Cause right. teams just don't have quarterbacks. They're willing to give away that are, are top guys or that, that can, that can help you win a game. Right. Um, and so for me, it's like that backup quarterback position is actually more important, I think, than some of the spots on that starting lineup because of how important the position is. And so you get your guy. And to me, this seems like the ideal situation. You have him, you have him wait for a couple of years. Maybe he gets in for yeah. a drive or two at different points. And who knows what will happen. But um, like, what do you think even just about what this means for, for Kirk Cousins? I don't, I, to me, I don't want to read into it too, too much. I know that, you know, Chad Graff over at the athletic, well, I really like Chad Graff. I think he does great work. He's mentioned that it's, you know, he's used the term succession plan. So they have at least somewhat of a plan in place uh, for a couple of years down the road for life beyond Kirk Cousins. I don't necessarily believe that that's the case. I don't necessarily believe that this, signals that they're ready for life after cousins uh what this signals to me is that you know like sam is saying the backup quarterback is tremendously important like you shouldn't have to convince vikings fans of how important it is i mean just in 2017 we had a magical season you know it ended obviously in heartbreak but we get to the nfc championship game because our backup quarterback was so exciting and so dynamic so case keenum came in and allowed us to go 13 and 3 and I mean, that that was incredible, right? And so and now I, I don't necessarily think that you know Kellen Mond can come in and bring us to thirteen and three, but uh, I do think he's a better option than what they currently had. And I do think that if Sean Mannion was in there, or if Nate Stanley or Jake Browning, kind of the two, I mean, Browning's an uh, undrafted free agent. Nate Stanley was a late round pick. I, I just don't think any of those three guys would be capable of leading that kind of season where we could still be competitive where Kellen Mond, at least the impression I, I, I haven't, I haven't watched him play. I, I don't, I'm no expert by any means, but everything I've read about him suggests that he's super tough. He's super competitive. He's a great leader. He's got a good arm. He's a good athlete. Um, highly intelligent. He's both the team. Like he just, he has all these characteristics and these attributes and you partnered with this athletic ability then I say, okay, that's tremendous, right? And so you just, the, the perfect kind of makeup and attributes and characteristics that you want for your backup quarterback. And then he can learn and who knows, maybe in two, three years, he will be the starter or maybe he'll just end up being an excellent, excellent backup quarterback, which in and of itself is is really, really great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that this also just, I've seen people talk about like just lighting a fire under cousin's butt and pushing a little bit and, not that you – to me, it seems like the perfect situation because you're not actually worried about Mon. Like, even if he goes lights out in camp, he's not taking over for Kirk Cousins. Right, um, exactly. But he is this piece that now it's like, oh, like, there is this guy that's pushing people. Maybe even – this is not – like, I, this is not Jordan Love um, right. from last year. Like, this is not taking a first-round uh, pick on a backup quarterback. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. – in similar way you take a quarterback early when you already have your quarterback and you kind of piss them off a little bit um like right. rogers rogers just 
was was ticked off last year and he had an MVP season. Yeah. And yeah. I'm not saying that that Cousins will have an MVP season. If he does, then that is great news for the Vikings. Um, but to get the fire under a Cousins butt a little bit and say, you know what, like you need to perform well, I think – I, I think can only go positive. I know that's easy to say now, but um, the feel right. is relatively encouraging. I, I would say so as well. Like I know immediately after RG3 came out and made those comments about, you know, how Cousins is not going to be uh, happy with this. I mean, I, I don't know, right? Like I just, like at the end of the day, that's, that's just speculation from him. And and who, who knows at the end of the day, like I think at the end of the day, Cousins is a professional. He always says and does the right things, it would seem. What he actually believes and feels on the inside, I have no way of knowing. Uh, but my full expectation is that Cousins will take this in stride, show up to work. There's going to be no drama, no issues. And ideally, exactly what Sam was saying, it's not that it makes your status insecure, but you see it and you can say, I, I, I need to perform now. That That next contract after these next two years... I needed to show them now in the present that I'm worth it, that I can actually still be the man in Minnesota. And so to me, that's, that's, it's a fine line because I think the Jordan love pick was stupid, but I to hear this could actually end up being very brilliant and it could end up getting the best out of cousins, which is exactly what we need. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And I know we've talked a little bit about Wyatt Davis, any of the other picks in the third round, uh, maybe you want to touch a little bit more on Davis, but the, I know. Yeah. Uh, Barrett, I don't know if you have any thoughts on on that pick because I know there was lots of humming and hawing about about that one. I I think the other two picks they got a linebacker and then they got um they got a linebacker and then they got a defensive end. So the defensive end, I think it makes sense to go this position. And again, when you read about if you go to the draft network, if you go to the athletic, if you go to Pro Football Focus, and you read about Patrick Jones, and you could say. Okay, like this is this is a player who kind of fits with what Minnesota wants to do um, in terms of what they like from their defensive linemen, and so I think that he just comes in. And he's uh, good competition with DJ Wanham and Stephen Weatherly. In all likelihood, he's a backup and someone who is going to develop. And uh, Andre Patterson is going to hopefully get the most out of him in the end because you know he's an excellent defensive line coach. And then for Chaz Surratt, the the linebacker. I understand some of, the, some of the skepticism in that he's he's already 24. He's quite raw um, because he just transitioned to linebacker like a couple years ago or something like that. He was quarterback before. But again, you look at the characteristics, uh, both in terms of just, you know, work ethic, like how much he's been able to accomplish in such a short time. And then his athletic abilities. Um, I mean, the Vikings always choose a linebacker in the draft. They've done, they've chosen linebacker for, years and years uh it, it just always happens and so i think with him it makes some sense in that bar has gone after a year in all likelihood because he's gonna be a free agent and so you bring in this depth i mean the, these two moves the linebacker and the defensive end those are more so depth moves right now whereas and kellen monda i guess you could say the same thing it's a depth move as well um the hope being that at linebacker and defensive ends these guys can contribute but on a limited role. Kellen Mond ideally doesn't see the field at all, except for maybe if there's a blowout or if there's something like that, then get him on the field and that's great. 
Wyatt Davis, on the other hand, I think the expectation is that he's going to be a starter on day one. Uh, and I think that in all likelihood, again, I'm not a coach. This isn't my decision. To me, I think it's probably going to be at right guard. Um, just strictly because that's where he played in college. So it makes some sense to start him there. And then if he isn't at right guard, if you put him at left guard, that means you're going to have an all-rookie left side. So Derisaw and Davis, which it's I'm not saying it can't work. It's possible that it could work and actually be better than what they had last year. But I, it'd be a little bit surprising to me, especially the line is going to be so, so young. Brian O'Neill, he's still on his rookie contract, and he's your veteran. And then you have Garrett Bradbury. He's a third-year guy. And then Ezra Cleveland's a second-year guy. And then you have two rookies. So you get a fourth-year player, a third-year player, a second-year player, and two rookies. I think your oldest player is 25 years old. So to me, it's just going to be very interesting how they navigate that youth. I think there's upside here, but I think they could easily be overmatched uh, if it's not done correctly. Um, so we'll see. I, I, I think Wyatt Davis is going to end up being the starting right guard. And to me, that's very, very exciting. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's, it's, it's super exciting to know, like we said, there was definitely one hole that needed to be addressed on the, that offensive line yes. and likely two. And, yeah. and who knows, maybe they still, maybe there's still a signing to come to shore up some depth there yeah. to provide some competition. And that's great. Um, I, I realized, I think I might've made a mistake. I might've said Barrett, but the Chaz Surratt, um, yeah. I, when I saw that pick and like, I instantly just, I had never heard of him. I'm not a huge draft person, but started reading up on him. And even someone I saw said that he's a day one talent with day two is a day two value pick. And it's like, you know, it's great. And I know that you obviously want some surefire things in the third round, but with the 11 picks, the Vikings had, I, yep. you just, I think it's okay to take a chance on some of these guys. And like you said, it's not like he's filling a starting role. No chance. See, yeah. see what happens. And yeah. maybe this is he said a late, late bloomer who really from, from the highlights I did see of him, like maybe this is a guy that, that really just continues to develop and really becomes a really solid piece uh, yeah. on the defensive front. Yep. Yep. That's, I mean, that would be ideal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and with third down, I know we were this week, we're only going to be able to cover the first three rounds here and, and we're looking forward to next pod breaking down rounds four to seven, because there's a lot of exciting picks there that I think will garner some good discussion. Uh, we're not even going to do odds and ends today, but we, we do want to wrap up just looking around the NFC North and uh, mm-hmm. it, to be fair, I think that it was a very exciting uh, past week for, for the NFC North. And when we look around at the other teams, um, how do you feel like the other teams did uh, over draft weekend? I think it'd be safe to say, and I, I think most people would probably agree that the NFC North as a whole, the division as a whole, had an excellent draft weekend, except for the Packers. I think the Bears did excellent. I think the Lions did excellent. I think the, uh, the Vikings, truthfully, probably didn't do as well as those two, but they did quite well. I think they did really good. And then I think the Packers did poorly. Um, and I know I'm biased, but because I, I obviously I just like the Packers the most, but um, I just think what the Bears did to get Justin Fields, I, again, you talk about marrying need and value. A massive need, and then to get Fields at 11th, even though it cost them all that draft capital to move there, oh, I think it makes sense. I think it makes sense. And then, I, and then with 
the Lions starting off with going Panay Sewell at seventh. Some need and value. Fantastic. And then going defensive interior, second round and third round. Fantastic. Like, I, I just think that both those teams did really, really well. Um, I don't know what the Packers are thinking, but uh, I think that the Bears and the Lions and the Vikings come away from the weekend looking pretty good. And I, I can't really say the same about Green Bay. Yeah, it, I feel like this is the second year, maybe even more, even more in a row that the, the Packers just, it feels like you're kind of wondering, looking around, it just feels like they're they're there, they're they're close, they're competing for this Super Bowl position, and they seem to bobble this draft, right? Um, which is difficult. And, and really, this isn't even the biggest news uh, of the Yeah, of right, exactly. Uh, yeah. There, there, there was something else about the Packers that I, I can recall. Yeah, um, what was that? Is I mean, I, I just don't know what to make of this. I know, I know, I, I feel quite confident that Aaron Rodgers loves being in the news. He seems to do all this stuff. Seems to come up quite commonly with him about being displeased about this or that, or I, I don't even know what. But at the end of the day, I do, I do believe he'll still be Green Bay's quarterback in the end. And I do believe that he'll still be back with the team. He's still going to be an excellent quarterback. Whether he's happy with that, I, you know, I, I again, I can't say. I can't really look into his mind and um, and see what he's thinking or what he believes. But I, I just can't understand why. You talk about, so to me, it's about marrying need and value. And so they pick that cornerback, Stokes, at 29th. And so there's a need there. And and cornerback is, is a premier position. You need good coverage, Right. Like I, I, I see the desire to pick a corner. I, I just don't see the, the value for that particular player at that draft slot. And so it's very peculiar to me. Again, I mean, the leadership over in Green Bay, they know far more about football than I ever will. Uh, I, I can never even pretend to come close to their knowledge. And so we'll see in the end. And any, everything we say today doesn't mean a damn thing, right? We're, at the end of the day, we're going to have to wait three, four, five years and see how these drafts turn out. Uh, but I just don't understand what Green Bay was thinking. Uh, I think they only got, they weren't able to marry need and value. I think they just went for need and didn't get good value. And uh, I just don't understand why they're not uh, doing more to really go for it all when they have Aaron Rodgers. Uh, to me, that just doesn't make sense. Yeah. Yeah, it. Uh, I did see that Aaron Rodgers was was upset that it came out in the news, which <laughs> right, right, of course. Yeah, okay. Uh, and and I saw that the GM said that they weren't trading him ever, which right. I've never heard before. Um, right. And, and then someone actually got traded. Like it feels like there's this cycle with yeah. how this is. This is this is the GM playbook 101. Yeah, uh, exactly. deny everything and then trade him three days later. Uh, yeah. It would be great news if they traded him for for the Vikings, especially out be. of the yes. conference. Like yes. get him out of the conference, yeah. Um, ship him off wherever. I know Denver was so close, which w- turns out not yet. Uh, yeah, yeah. But but yeah, it it does feel. I don't know. It I from a Vikings standpoint, I feel like it's actually exciting in the sense of just creating some turmoil in in that city yep. and and there. Um, but I know I did transition away from from the draft a little bit and agreed like. Chicago and Detroit had good drafts and we'd initially said a few weeks ago that you're feeling good about none of these teams actually improving so far in the division in terms of 
what they had done in free agency, but it is fair to say that Chicago and Detroit both had had good drafts. I know I sent over the uh, NFL tree or NFL draft grades that are from a bunch of different analysis that they take their draft grading and combine all together and, and give it a GPA. And I know that Chicago finished first and, and Detroit finished eighth. You got the Vikings at 13. Um, yep. And yeah, I like this Justin Fields pick, this could turn out to be quite significant. Um, yes. And this, this could be much more significant than lining up against uh, Mitch Trubisky. I, I uh, yeah, yeah. I will say this, that I will not be surprised if in their rookie seasons, if Justin Fields has the best season out of all four of them. I don't know if Trey Lance actually plays. I know Lawrence and Wilson are both in poor, poor teams. Yep. And I can foresee Fields having the best year out of, and I don't know, maybe include Daniel Jones in there, or sorry, not Daniel Jones, Mac Jones in there. Right. um, Which, right. I, I doubt, but I think that he'll probably have the best rookie season out of all those those top four uh, rookie quarterbacks. I, I just don't understand how Fields got to 11th overall. I just think it's such a great pick for Chicago. And, I mean, again, who knows? Three, four, five years, maybe Justin Fields is a bust. I mean, just maybe Trevor Lawrence is a bust. Maybe any of these guys are a bust. Who who, who really knows at the end of the day? I at best, you're making an educated guess where you, you gather this info and you, and you do your best to project. Um, does this make Chicago a contender in year one? I don't necessarily think so, just because I think there are still some deficiencies on that team and they were so limited in what they could do in free agency by their salary cap. I think they'll be a fine team. I wouldn't be surprised if they snuck into the playoffs like they did uh, or like they've done. But I don't know if this necessarily elevates them this year to being like a true Super Bowl contender, even though they start, they're still going to have a strong defense. They're still going to have a pretty good team overall. So we'll see. We'll see. Um, I, I think at the end of the day, you still got to put the Packers probably number one in the division. And then it's a toss up between the Vikings and the Bears. The Lions are still building. I, I don't think Jared Goff is scaring anybody, um, but they did get better. And, and they at least are building on that foundation with those those linemen that they picked in their opening three, three rounds. So who knows what the lines will be in two, three, four, five years. But at, at this point we, and we've talked about it, like the Vikings really, not that they don't care about the window outside of that, but this one to two year window. Yes, is exactly. The window is yeah. at least for, for the way the team's constructed, the way the management's constructed. So in some ways you don't really care that Chicago is going to be better in a few years. Like, while these teams did improve, um, even just the the Rogers news, like we're you're hoping for to to get that compete for that division title. You're hoping to get to the playoffs and compete. And while these teams are better around them, um, there still does feel like hope. I, I still feel like the Vikings have that number two spot in the division right now. But yeah, you no, know, there's still some off season. Uh, still, things can change. Um, but yep. feeling yep. pretty good about where the Vikings are at, especially with addressing what they did in the draft. Yeah, I'd I'd say that's a pretty fair assessment. I mean, you can't until they actually go out and show that they're better than the Packers. Well, then the Packers need to be considered number one, and then after that, I think it's reasonable to kind of take the other three and say, well, who's kind of 
the main challenger right now. And I think it's probably pretty reasonable to say that's the Vikings. Um, but we're just going to have to see what happens in the field. doesn't matter what Sam thinks. doesn't matter what I think. The only thing that really matters at the end of the day is, is what actually happens on the football field. And so we'll see. Hopefully the things that they do now, the decisions they make now, actually lead to good results on the field. Yeah. Now we only have to wait, what, four months? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Exactly. Oh, yeah. man. What a grind. But, uh, yeah, this is this is good and, and this is fun. I, I think that the draft brings a lot of excitement for the coming year. And this is going to be, I don't know. I, I feel like Vikings fans are still, there's still this the, the PTSD that comes with cheering for this team. And you can see different reactions of people, but overall i feel like you got to be relatively encouraged about how this how this draft went and i think there's a lot of exciting things and there's some exciting things in these later rounds that that we'll talk about next time we we talk in a couple of weeks yeah. uh, we're not going to do odds and ends this week and so we're going to wrap up here uh thanks so much for listening be sure to stop by vikingsgazette.com for great minnesota vikings news commentary and analysis the vikings gazette can be found on twitter and facebook at vikings gazette Take care, everyone, and we will talk with you in a couple weeks.